45 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the rest right tight. F left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. It's Thursday. I don't know if you know that or not. Every day uh, during this pandemic and the subsequent quarantine, easy for me to say, say that five times fast, subsequent quarantine, (laughs) every day during it, I feel as though I need to um, tell you what day it is. And it's not, you know, in actuality, I understand it's not you that needs a reminder. It's me. I totally get it. Welcome into the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown heroes in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. I need to let you all in on something to start the show. All right. Just a minute ago, the man, the myth, the legend, Beaver, and I were having a discussion. Um, Beaver, you just had a couple of innocent questions about what it's like to not have hair. You know, what it's like to have a bald head, to, you know, that kind of thing. Would I recommend it sort of stuff? I got to say, I didn't have a chance to do this uh, before the show, but I just thought I would ask you now, Beaver, is this real, um, really a consideration for you? You might get the clippers and just buzz off the hair that you do have yeah yeah and i don't like i don't mean that i want to you know keep it as a lifestyle forever yeah i don't mean that i'm gonna do it every week but i uh well we've reached the summer um i'm extremely hot natured Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't enjoy paying for haircuts (laughs) but um no mainly though just the the comfort the the hot natured and the the summertime sure and I've, okay. I've thought, I think about this generally every summer. Um, I mean, the lowest I've ever gone, you know, I'll I'll buzz it with like a three guard, you know, some occasionally, maybe once a year. Yeah, right. But I'm thinking about just going even lower. Okay. Know, for this year. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I got to say, I, I think my first question for you, just real quick as we get into that idea is, if you shave it off and then you decide that you don't like it or you don't want to live that way, will your hair grow back? Um, Chris Brooks tells me, because I, I pulled my hair back and I said, well, check and look at my, what they call the widow's peak. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris Brooks, because I, you know, asking people like you and Chris Brooks who don't have hair, I consider y'all the experts. And in his expert opinion, he said, well, it looks good. It, it looks like you, you can fully come back. Okay. Okay, so he's the hair expert around here, apparently, which there's great irony in all of that, <laughs> you know, somehow, some way. 
All right. Um, well, I would just say, you know, if it'll grow back, especially what do you have to worry about? Experience it this and And it, you're right. Summer is getting here. Like today, I did a little mowing outside this morning. And for the first time in, well, a year, the humidity itself caused a little sweat. Okay. And so I came in and went, yep. Yeah, all right. All right. Here it is. It's upon us, and it seems like every year, like this would be the year that we would be at, um, I'm sorry, the week that we would be at the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover. It seems like every year at the SEC Baseball Tournament, it's the first time that any of us experience any really hot weather. <clears throat> it's like the week before, or the final weekend of the regular season of baseball, is either raining or just nice. <clears throat> then we go to the SEC Tournament in Hoover, and, and we have... You know, our first 90-degree weather. I don't know if it's 90 anytime soon, but uh, it is here. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. We also stay connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer-inspired. A real treat you know, I, this is something that I have said, and I actually do believe in it very much. Having played a little football and hung around and, of course, was one of those guys who pretended to be a quarterback, so you're very dependent on offensive linemen. And I was always a little jealous, I think, of the camaraderie in the offensive line room. They always seem to have more fun than any other group of players on a day-in, day-out basis. And they, and they never even really on purpose touched the football, except for one of them. Yeah, but offensive line. The game is won and lost on the line of scrimmage. Football in America is a special game. A unique game. Played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. Yeah! Come on! If that does not light your fire, your wood is wet. Let's talk a little football in the trenches right now with the man who is tasked with coaching the Mississippi State offensive lineman under Mike Leach. At some point, at some point we'll be coaching. His name is Mason Miller. He is on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Coach Miller, appreciate a little bit of time with you. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Uh, you you did a little bit more than just attempt to play quarterback. <laughs> I uh, I actually uh, there's a great backstory of um, when you came in and and uh, Madkin goes down and you come in and and take the dogs down the field in '99 and beat the Wildcats of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach Mummy is still pretty bent out of shape about that <laughs> because he's mad at Schnedeger for hitting Madkin. Right, because he knew that you know you could push the ball down the field, and there was time running out, and he was like, "So we go fishing in Alaska," and Schnedger shows up, and Coach Mummy just starts ripping him. Like if I had told you to leave Madkin alone, because he was going to run the ball, and the other guy was going to throw the ball down the field. So uh, yeah, he's still been out of shape about that. Is he really? Um, this is the first. Oh, yeah. This is the first time I've ever heard that story, Coach. I'm being honest with you. 
<laughs> yeah, and, he went down and kicked the field goal. And he right. said when Madkin went down, he was like, get up, buddy, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and look, and the thing about it is, you know, like we were off and on that year where, you know, Wayne led some comebacks. And, of course, I was out there for some. But you know what's interesting, Coach? You mentioned Snedeker. Earlier in that game, that same game in 99, Snedeker, he had a big sack. This was before we, you know, a previous series before we went on the game, went and drive. He had a big sack where I wasn't looking. He hits me. I'm talking about he really tattooed me. We're on the ground. And as he's getting up to celebrate with his size, you know, 13 cleat, he just steps right on my throwing hand. And I am to oh, no. I am to this day convinced that he did it on purpose. <laughs> no, knowing what I know about Jeff Snedeker, I'm 100 percent convinced yeah. that he did that. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> what a memory. That's neat. I'm, I'm gonna have to hear some more um, Hal Mummy stuff. Hey, and you know, speaking of, I was gonna ask you, uh, Coach Miller. You know, your connection to Mike Leach and how you guys kind of got connected at some point. I guess. Basically, you're telling me that's probably where it all starts, huh? Kentucky, is that right? So, yeah, I played for uh, Mike and Hal, and uh, and Holgerson was the receivers coach at Valdosta State. So, Mm -hmm. 100 years ago, uh, in 1994, we all, you know, I was a player on that staff and then turned into a student assistant after I'd had, like, my umpteenth uh, knee surgery. Yeah. And uh, so then I started becoming a coach, and, you know, student assistant, and I became a, a high school coach down there. So, you know, Mike and I have been around each other since I was 18 years old. Very cool. So in terms of familiarity with this offense, if you played under Mummy uh, and, and Leach and Holgerson and those guys at Valdosta, um, the, the offense you're coaching in now with Mike Leach, is it the same offense? Identical. Uh, when I first got on at Washington State, uh, everybody's got different variations of it, uh, yeah. but it all comes down to the same principles. Uh, you know, uh, Lincoln's got his variation, Dana's got his, uh, Matt Mummy's got his, uh, so on and so forth. But uh, Coach Leach has never changed. Like, so when I got on at Washington State, we go into a staff room and we just start watching cutups from the year before. And he's like, I want you to go through and, you know, what, what are you looking at differently and evaluate what we're doing and this, that, and the other. And, he, and nobody tells me the plays, and he just puts up the first play, and I'm like, oh, we haven't changed the name since 94. <laughs> like, it's the same same thing. And uh, he had, like, nothing has changed schematically how we teach it. Uh, you know, there are some tweaks here and there, but for the most part, it's the same thing we did back when I was playing. That, that is really stick fascinating. Still stick and white cross, and white cross is still white cross. It doesn't matter. Right. Same concepts and everything. Mason Miller on your radio right now, Mississippi State offensive line coach. Um, it, that's really cool to hear that because you know what it speaks to me, coach, is you, there are a lot of offenses out there and like concepts, you know, like flat curl. We're still running flat curls all over the place, you know, but we tweak them and adjust them over the years. But in terms of longevity, like a, a single system. I'm trying to think of others who have had that type of longevity. I mean, at some point, the veer went out. You know, like nobody's running the veer anymore. You know, so this may be the one that has lasted the longest is this air raid stuff. Uh, I would say this one in the triple. Uh, okay. And I would I would challenge people to think about this. Is 
you know, with the triple option and what we do, we're just pitching it forward instead of what they're, you're pitching it backwards. Um, it's still kind of take what they give you, spread people out mm-hmm. both horizontally and, and then create vertical gaps. And, and then we just push the ball down the seams and on the sidelines and stuff like that. So sure. attacking space just like they do in the triple. Right. Throw it where they're not, basically. Um, or trying Correct. to anyway. So from an offensive line standpoint, if if I were to just throw an, a softball question at you like this, what's different about playing in the offensive line in your system versus um, all this other, we hear, um, you know, spread offense or the zone scheme offenses that we see? What's different about what you do? Um, I think the biggest thing for us is going to be the split difference. Uh, you know, we obviously have a little bit uh, bigger splits. Uh, we, you know, we try to maximize our, our width uh, in the pocket a little bit more. Okay. I would say that our offensive line has a lot more control on what they do. Uh, some offenses, everybody is told what to do. Mm-hmm. Our guys, they're kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in charge of themselves, if I can, for a lack of a better term, uh, during the, you know, during the course of a game and what we've given them to think about. So that's probably the biggest difference, uh, playing in space. Okay. Because uh, most people are foot to foot. You know, you could throw a hand grenade and knock everybody out. Sure. Uh, you know, our guys, you, you would, can't really do that. Is that a, um, you played the position, is it a tough adjustment for, let's say, an offensive lineman who's never been uh, three feet away from his next guy to his left? You know, he's never been that far away. Like, he's... He's always been foot to foot. Is that a hard adjustment? Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't play a line. I was a fullback, but so I was always down there with those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of my uh, some of my closest friends were offensive linemen. And at first, there's like jock and all, like where is everybody? And then once they get used to it, they kind of like it because they're not stepping on each other. I've never seen people step on themselves or other teammates as much as offensive linemen do, right? Because they're so close. Mm-hmm. And then even with those splits, they still doing it. And then I also think it enhances their ability to move. Um, you know, and it, it, it kind of teaches them how to play in space, like I said, but, uh, and then builds confidence as you can start figuring out how to block a guy one-on-one and then you start getting help. Uh, all that stuff really uh, accelerates your belief in what you're doing. Sure. Mason Miller on your radio right now, offensive line coach, Mississippi state first year comes over from Washington state. Uh, with Mike Leach. You were there a couple of years at Washington State. You're obviously there when, when Minshew was at the helm at quarterback. Um, what what was the key to success on those teams? And I know, Coach, that's a big, broad question. I'm not talking about just one position, but kind of what was the right. key to success on those last couple of teams there at Washington State for y'all? Uh, we were a very selfless program. And, and what I mean by that, it wasn't a big look at me. Uh, hey, it's all about me. I mean, it was very, and Coach Leach is, is very demanding on this. Is You know, we're a team. We're going to be the most excited to play, and we're going to do the best, be the best at doing our job. And uh, if you're not a team first, you're never going to win a game. And I think what all those kids that were there before understood Coach Leach's uh, philosophy on being a team. And then Gardner came in, and he was just kind of a, a natural leader with a lot of pizzazz. And he didn't try to be 
you know, I'm so-and-so. He just earned everybody's respect by the way he worked, um, which, again, you know, metastasized throughout the entire uh, offense, and then obviously there were, he was really close with some of the guys on defense, the Peyton Fluers and, and so on and so forth. So those kids grow. Hmm. Um, and then take ownership of themselves. Like, I'll never forget, uh, I walked through a locker room uh, before one of the practices, and generally on Fridays we have a special teams meeting before we go do our little walkthrough. So I'm just fiddling through the, uh, you know, the locker room, and I hear one of the senior safeties ask this sophomore, "Hey, man, he's told you to do this like five times. You know, why can't you get it right? You know, it's not that hard. You know, you need to you need to start paying attention, or we need to find somebody else to play there." And I'll tell coach, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> you know." Uh, which whenever you're on those teams, there's less, uh, and it's obviously the coaches have to put you in the best position to be successful. Mm. But when you're on those teams and you see those kids take ownership of what they're doing and it's their program and the success of the program is driven by them, uh, you, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Sky's the limit. It really is. Well, and you know, um, it's always been true, hasn't it? You mentioned those uh, late 90s games. It seems like forever for a lot of folks, for me and you. You know, it didn't seem that long ago, 20 years ago. But we had good teams at Mississippi State then, won a lot of games. And that's one thing I've said about that 99 team that you mentioned, Coach, is our coaches that year didn't have to handle discipline because our players handled it. You know, especially with younger guys. We had such strong leadership that, like, discipline wasn't an issue and our, our coaches really didn't even have to worry. We had seniors who would, you know, kind of handle the, the, the team discipline. Um, it, it was really yeah. uncanny. You have to have that, don't you, if you want to overachieve. You do. And I think what's really cool is when you're around coaches who have been on those teams as players and they can kind of see it. Like when we were at Valdosta State 94 and 96, you know, we were really good. And then you're, you're referring back to your 99 team. I, I mean, I play, I coached with some of your teammates, uh, Kendall Roberson and, right. and Barrett Grant. And, and then Joe Lee was there with us for, you know, I worked with those guys for six years and they knew it too. So on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, we were doing what we were doing and, and defensively they were doing what they were doing, but it was, it was cool to watch the coaching staffs understand how the players were going to take off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this was at McMurray University when we ended up, I think we were like, the number 13 team in the country and we went nine and two or something like that right so uh when you get those teams like you're saying it's player led i mean coaches are going to put you in the best position to succeed but it's player driven yeah no doubt hey i got like two minutes left last thing coach is um um if you could do a backflip would you literally do one the first day you get to be on the field with your players in the same vicinity as opposed to a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Absolutely. I would do that or and and just you know, I don't know when it's gonna be awkward to not hug a guy, but <laughs> right. you just you 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 just wanna be around your friends and, and even in the other coaches. Mm. Um, you know, that's the biggest challenge. And we had a Zoom meeting this morning and you know, just getting on there and listening to those kids mess with each other, it's just Obviously, you miss the hard work, the blood, the sweat, the tears, yeah. uh, the working relationship that you build. But 
man, those relationships in that locker room are, are something that a lot of people will never know. You and I know what it is, but that's that's what's special about getting to play this sport. That's right. Well, and that's what uh, keeps people in the game as long as you've been in it, and we're really looking forward to this year. Coach, I really do appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for the story. Uh, reliving a, a few glory days for an old bald guy. That's fun every now and then. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Hail State. Hail State. Thank you. That's Coach Mason Miller. He's the offensive line coach at Mississippi State. Yeah, and, you know, there's several takeaways there in that uh, chat with him. I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm fascinated with this offensive system. I mean, you can tell, and now's a good time with downtime. We're not covering baseball. We're not actually covering practices and stuff. And you can tell that it's on my mind, right? Like, Because earlier this week, I replayed for you this two-part interview, a long interview I did with the author of the book, The Perfect Pass, who wrote the book about how Mummy and how he and Leach designed this weird, quirky, pass-happy offense back in the day called the Air Raid, and then it grew and affected all levels of football. That's You heard that. I had that on my mind. And then in talking to Coach Miller, who played fullback in this offense for Hal Mummy and Mike Leach and Dana Holgerson at uh, Valdosta State in the late 90s, got into coaching, eventually reunited with Mike Leach at Washington State back in 2018. Now he's the Mississippi State offensive line coach and says, in, we're talking two decades, 20 years of this offensive system not only has it not changed, not only is it identical, he says, it's the same terms. Like this route and that route and that blocking scheme and this play all have the same exact name they had 20 years ago at Valdosta State. And it just works. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by it. And, it, you know, you're an offensive lineman. You go from no splits and we're elbow to elbow, stepping on each other, zone blocking up to the linebacker to... Now we got three-foot splits, and I can't even touch you. I'm out here by myself. It's got to be a little bit of an adjustment. Stick around. Back on the show. I'm Matt. He's Bieber. You're here. That's the most important thing. Appreciate you tuning in. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team, your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. Hometown heroes. The best service, the best people, the best company, a Mississippi company. You know, Farm Bureau insurance, let's say that I don't know, maybe you have a question or a need or something needs to go to the top. You know, they talk about like, let's run something up the flagpole. You can, with Farm Bureau Insurance, you can run it all the way up the flagpole. And you know where the tip of the flagpole is? Jackson, Mississippi. It's a Mississippi company. Uh, that's just one of the many reasons you need to have your insurance with Farm Bureau. And if you don't, uh, give them a chance. Look them up, favorites.com. All right, give me a call on the Divini phone. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact, means they've been doing it better longer than anyone else. Divini phone, 
995-1059. You uh, enjoy the conversation with Mason Miller, offensive line coach, Mississippi State, huh? Let me know what you think. 601 number, 995-1059. Yeah, text me on the Country Pleasing text line, also Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. Walk up in there and say, Country Pleasing, please. <laughs> and they'll know what you're talking about. Uh, it is 885-ESPN. That's the number to text, 885-ESPN. Had a little hiccup on the Facebook and Periscope stream today. That's okay. I'll get it posted for you later. Uh, so appreciate y'all tuning in and texting. First up, though, we got a text from the real Eric here at 885-ESPN. He said to Beaver, uh, Beaver, he told you, just do a high fade, go zero to two inches on the top, You'll like it better than a buzz cut. Okay, so he's telling you you're you know the the high fade would be then like the backs the back and the sides of your head are pretty much shaved, but it fades up to where you have a little hair on top. Would you, would you go for that? Maybe do that first, as opposed to the just bzz, I don't know. I don't know, man. Just do it. Just shave it. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Miko, you wanted me to ask, okay, about if it's anything about getting recruits, um, to coaches, you know, it's kind of been a, a downtime, a dead time during all of this, um, quarantine and shelter in place. And you heard coach, uh, Miller talk about it. You know, they haven't even had coaches meetings in the same room and it's just been really different. They're looking forward to getting together. So camps and stuff have kind of gone the way of the dinosaur, at least this summer. So, you know, the best thing to do is you can go to any school's football website. Like at State, you would just go to HailState.com. You know, at Ole Miss, it's OleMissSports.com. You can go to any of those things. Any school's got their website. And honestly, they'll have phone numbers right there on the website, contact information, and it's really as simple as getting in touch with that school's football office. They will have a receptionist and um, go from there. Say, how do I get them? How do I get, you know, a film or highlights or make sure, you know, that's as simple as it is. And understand too, Miko, it's like this. In 2020, I, I know that there are a lot of stories out there and have been over the years about Oh, well, in Mississippi, it's different. You got to drive on all these dirt roads and these little backwoods schools and have a four-star player nobody's ever heard of before. You know, I mean, that all sounds good and warm and fuzzy, but it's really not reality. Okay, I'm just telling you, it's not. Every high school in this state has players on it that college coaches are aware of, that they're already tracking, Um if they don't, they've already made a decision. It's not for them. I mean, the, the recruiting information is just so thick now. There's just no shortage of exposure because of the Internet. It's not like it was 30 years ago. Walk and Bully wanted to know the reason behind wider splits, benefits, drawbacks, and say uh, worried about SEC defensive tackles having more room to work. No, um, you know, I, I think there's, in any system, I mean, you've got benefits and drawbacks, right? 
Like, um, you go, okay, well, what's what's the benefits and drawbacks to tight splits with offensive linemen right next to each other? Well, the benefits are it's easier to run block because there's less gaps there for an, uh, for a linebacker or a quick defensive tackle to shoot through. <laughs> We're already shoulder to shoulder. It's harder for you to get through here. Okay, but the advantages, I mean, the drawbacks to tight splits on the offensive line, they're all bunched together, is if we are throwing it, then the defensive ends, if they line up in front of my offensive tackles, they're closer to me, the quarterback, already. Before I even say hut, they're closer to me. Whereas if we've got all these wide splits, it's kind of going to spread them out. That fast defensive end coming off the edge has got about three more yards or four more yards. He's got to run before he gets to where I am just because of the the way we've lined up. I think another benefit to it is just what he said. I mean, in you know, they get this kick slide technique of pass blocking where I'm one-on-one pass blocking somebody, is I got a better chance if I'm confident I'm not about to step all over the feet of my buddies. You know, so you spread them out a little bit. You know. Um I think also if you were to get technical. I don't know. This might go either way. I'd love to hear some feedback from coaches. But one thought I wondered is like, you know, everybody runs different styles of twists on their defensive line to try to get guys free and pass rush. And, um, you know, confuse an offensive line. So a twist is where you have two defensive linemen. And instead of just going straight at their guy in front of them, trying to beat them to the quarterback, they actually crisscross. They snap the ball. One of the linemen shoots across in front to try to either confuse or tangle up the offensive line. The other one, I step back and kind of go around to the outside. We're, we're going, we're replacing each other. We're crisscrossing. They run a twist. Well, if you're all, you know, really tight, sometimes those things may be a little harder to find where that guy went. Whereas if you're spread out and people run those twists on their defensive line, it's easier for me and the other guy to kind of see where they're going and know whether I should pass it off or stay with them and all that kind of stuff. You just have to learn it. I also think it's easier to run screens when you have wider splits. Now think about that. I know we're going X's and O's, but hey, it's a Thursday and it's my show. And it's a good question. They've run a lot of screens in that offense over a 20-year period of time, going all the way back to Kentucky under Mummy. Because if you're throwing it a lot, what's the defense trying to do? Trying to hit the quarterback. With what? Pass rush. How do you slow down pass rush? Well, you break them from it by throwing screens. They get worn out of chasing that quarterback, and you let them go on purpose, and right before they get there, you throw the ball. A screen, and your offensive linemen are out blocking out in front of it. Well, if you've got wider splits, a little more room to operate, you're a little farther out there on the edge anyway if you're the tackle. If I run a screen, then you know the lineman's got a few yards head start in getting out in front of this screen, a little more room to work, less opportunity for him to get tripped on his way to that blocking assignment downfield. I, I just think um, it fits the system. That's why they've developed it. You know, if you were lining up with a fullback every now and then, putting a tight end on the line and running zone runs, 
uh, 50% of the time, it would make no sense to be lining up with those big splits. But if you're throwing it a lot, then I think they've designed it just to fit the system. Uh, Rhett, slippery when Rhett, on the uh, Country Pleasing text line, says, My old high school, Acadia High in Louisiana, has been running the Veer since 1983. <laughs> And it's been good for four 5A state titles in eight years and another state championship last year. Yeah, I mean, beer concepts, the midline, right? The midline. <laughs> it's like you're a quarterback. You're that old midline stuff. You're a quarterback. You say hut. And let's say you're going to run the ball to the right. You're going to run the veer, that option scheme to the right. You don't even go to the right to begin with. The first thing you do is step back to the left so you can – Run it on the midline, and I'm reading that tackle. It's like John Bond will tell you back in those old wishbone option days when he played for Emory Ballard. You know, he's he's reading. He's, he's saying, hut, boom, ball hits his hands. He turns to his right, places the ball in the belly of the running back, and as he rides that potential handoff with the running back going forward, John literally – Three feet away from an unblocked defensive end has to decide, am I pulling this ball or giving it? <laughs> and now, you know, in the spread offense and the spread option, we're doing it out of the shotgun. Man, I'm 10 yards away reading that guy. I'm comfortable. Back in the day in a veer and a wishbone, they, re they could literally smell his breath. He's that close, and we're not going to block him on purpose. You read him. Good luck with that. Some of the hardest hits those guys ever took were on plays where they did exactly what they were supposed to. Wait, 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 and just give it at the last minute, and then that defensive end would, bam, just kill the quarterback. He didn't even have the ball. <laughs> it's great. Y'all stick around. Back on the show. In a minute, we're going to see what's up with Beaver. First, one ringy dingy. Two, ringy dingy. Somebody's calling me on the uh, Divinity phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. 995-1059 is the number to call. Chris has been hanging on for a little while, and I appreciate that. What's up, Chris? What's up, Matt? Yo. Hey, um, I was just going to offer Beaver some advice, and then I got a comment on them. It's weird that you started talking about the beer offense. All right. Right as I was calling. But, um, Beaver, what I would say is this, is if you really want to see what your hair is going to look like, go to a barber and let him shave it professionally. I know you don't want to pay for it, but let him shave it professionally. Get it all gone. And then you'll be able to see exactly through the stages of growth where you like it. You may like it bald, you may not, but guess what? It's going to grow back. And if it don't, then right. I don't know what to tell you after that anyway, because you're <laughs> going to do it anyway. <laughs> but, um, Matt, you was talking about the Veer offense. When I was in high school, we run 
a Maryland Eye beer off it. You ever seen that run? Yes, uh huh. Kind of, uh, I have. Mm-hmm. And even we we did some of that one year when I was in high school, where you know we were still running the option. I was young. We were still running the option, and it's beer concepts. But we had this guy who was on our staff that one year in high school at Prattville High School. His last name was Tut, I believe. I'd have to go look it up, and make sure. But I think it was Tut. But at one point in his career, he had spent some time with the Eagles and like he'd been around. And and so he put in this pro stuff. Where we actually had a tight end on the line and an eye backfield still running Veer stuff. Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. Maryland Eye is where you have a regular line and then you take like your biggest tight end. Mm. My cousin was the guy. He was like 260, 270. And they put him in the backfield with the guy that was our um, fullback, which was basically our two middle linebackers. Okay. And they would run off the left or right tackle, and I hated that offense. Hmm. I hated it with a passion because I was the tackle. And if I didn't get out of the way, I got run over. So <laughs> I had to get out of the way fast. But, no, we I actually, honestly, I started doing it when we were doing this because I realized on several of the occasions that the end was cheating. If I was set up too close to my guard, he would cheat to, towards the outside. Mm-hmm. And if I set up away from my guard, he'd cheat towards the inside. And I asked my coach, was like, you mind if I try something? He said, no, go ahead. So I moved out like two foot away from my guard. And he kept trying to go through that hole. And all I was doing was pushing him on top of my guard mm-hmm. and then leaving because my job was to, to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And then go take the linebacker out because my cousin and them were coming. You had two 250, 260-pound boys running at you with a little old bitty running back. Mm-hmm. And actually the running back on that team played at Mississippi College. And I want to say at one time he was the all-time record holder for yards. Really? He was a little old bitty boy. Yeah. Yeah, he was a little old bitty boy. He was like 180 pounds soaking wet, but he was crazy. He didn't mind contacting <laughs> You want to talk about crazy? He would run into anybody. He didn't care who you were, and if you didn't hit him hard, he was gonna hurt you. Chris, but, I appreciate yeah, I the phone call, man. Thank you. Have a good day and see ya. See ya. When I was a like young guy, the ninth grade, I think we we played against uh, Central Tuscaloosa. I think it was Central Tuscaloosa, and they were running that Notre Dame box. So you, I mean, you're talking about like '91. Yeah, and they were running a Notre Dame box. They had four backs, no quarterback. It's just four backs back there in a in a square, and you didn't know who they were snapping a ball to. I and I was playing on defense, and I just remember that experience of never knowing who had the ball. I mean, I'm just tackling ghosts all night long. I don't know why more people hadn't tried that stuff. It's direct snap. That was direct snap before there was quote direct snap. They didn't have a quarterback handing the ball to anybody. They just snap it to one of them. <laughs> That's the way I remember it anyway. Hey, I want to ask Beaver a question. Hey, Beaver, how you doing? I'm all right, Matt Wyatt. I am all right. What's your favorite fast food? Oh, man. Uh, That's tough. That's a tough question. When we talk about fast food, are we just talking burgers? Get, no, no, it could be anything. If fast food, anything with a drive-through where you can get your food in ten minutes or less. Oh man, uh, I'm very wishy-washy, but I'm gonna say I have a one at 
Can I give a 1A and 1B? Yes, please do. All right, 1A is going to be Taco Bell, but 1B <sighs> is Wendy's. Okay, this is perfect. Perfect. Your 1A is Taco Bell. Perfect. Because I have a list in front of me right here, Beaver, of the 20 best ever discontinued fast food items. Okay, it's a list of 20 of them. And I'm going to work my way to number one. But the 20th on the list is the Taco Bell Waffle Taco. I've never had it. But it's discontinued. But they say it's one of the 20th best best discontinued fast food items. It's a waffle. I'm looking at it here, and it's a picture of somebody with like a waffle and like sausage and eggs in it with syrup poured all over it. And you could get that at Taco Bell. Do you remember that? Did you ever have it? I do remember it. It came out when Taco Bell first started doing breakfast was 2014. Okay. Um, It's ridiculous that I remember that. (laughs) That's very specific, Beaver. (laughs) They started doing it in 2014. Um, I only had Taco Bell breakfast once in my life. I do remember seeing that waffle taco thinking, that looks amazing. It looks amazing. (laughs) I want it. But the one time I went there was in Omaha. Oh, yeah. Okay. uh, Which, you know, that's obviously how the Japanese say Omaha. Well, and it's also how Jake Wimberly says it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Omaha. but I, I see, I, I made a bad choice. I went with the safe choice because mm-hmm. when I went there, I said, well, let me just get a breakfast burrito. I know that'll be, you know, tried and true. I'll get that waffle later. Mm-hmm. And I never got that waffle. Never. You put it off till later mm-hmm. and then it never happened. I'm going to go through some of the list here, Beaver. Uh, stop me if something strikes a chord. Best ever discontinued fast food items. Number 19, the Whataburger Root Beer Shake. Number 18, Chili Cheese Burrito from Taco Bell. Number 17, the Pizza Hut Pazone. It's like a calzone, but from pizza. Number 16, Taco Bell's Chicken Biscuit Taco. (laughs) I have no idea they even had this, man. It's chicken in a biscuit all just rolled up to look like a taco. Number 15, Mac and Cheetos at Burger King. Number 14, the Sonic French Toaster Breakfast Sandwich. Uh, 13, the McSalad Shakers from McDonald's. Yeah, it came in a cup. All in the world that was is some genius at McDonald's. You know, somebody walked in and goes, hey, listen, y'all, we got a whole warehouse full of boxes of these big milkshake cups, and, and we're not using them. We're not selling enough milkshakes. We got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cups that we're not going to use. What do we do with them? Somebody goes, I don't know, put a salad in them. That's all it is, literally. Number 12, McDonald's chicken fajita wraps. Number 11, the Carl's Jr.'s, uh, I feel weird even saying this, but it's called a, a, a biznut. <laughs> it's a biscuit but with chocolate and sprinkles on it like a donut. Okay. Number 10, the KFC Double Down. Yes, I, yes, yes. What is that? Oh, I want it back, man. That, my friend, was... It was like a sandwich, but instead of bread for the buns, mm-hmm. it was just chicken breast. <laughs> I'm looking at that. Two fried pieces of chicken with cheese and bacon in the middle of it, and it's the chicken is the bun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is great. 
Number nine, Hardy's uh, double loaded omelet biscuit. Number eight, the Little Caesars pretzel crust pizza. Ugh, no. Never had that. Oh, it was, it would have been great if they didn't just load, load the crust up with uh, salt. With salt, yeah. Yeah. To make sure you knew it was a pretzel. (laughs) Yeah. Number seven, McDonald's Eggs Benedict McMuffins. What? How do you even do that? Here you go. Here's your here's your your boy Taco Bell, Beaver at number six, the Frito Burrito. It actually had corn chips in it. All right. Now we're in the top five best ever discontinued fast food. Here they are, top five. At number five, Cinnaminis from Burger King. A little bitty cinnamon rolls. Number four, the waffle breakfast sandwich at Jack in the Box. I don't know that I've ever been to a Jack in the Box. Number three, Volcano Burrito from Taco Bell. Number two, McDonald's Popcorn Chicken. What was McDonald's? It's like IHOP making hamburgers. And number one, from Jack in the Box. The number one best discontinued food item of all time, according to this list, from Jack in the Box, the Prime Rib Steak and Egg Burrito. There's your list. I've got one for you real quick, Matt Wyatt. Hit me. For me, it is the Frito Chili Pie at Sonic. Frito Chili Pie. I cannot get a Frito Chili Pie at my local Sonic. You can bag, buy a bag of Fritos and like make one at home, though, right? I guess. <laughs> You're coming in the, with your solutions. It wouldn't be it's the like, same. <laughs> uh, it's like in the, the REM song, and it's the end of the world as we know it. They yeah. say, offer me solutions, offer me alternatives, and I decline. <laughs> oh, what a great line. <clears throat> I love it. I'm hungry now. Hour two coming up. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.